morning, everybody. It's Andrew Daring, AD on Better People, Better Business. And I am stoked today to have someone I consider not just an amazing individual and doing great work in the business community, but also a friend. Um, and uh, yeah, Jane Anderson. Morning, Jane. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm so uh, excited, Andrew. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Ditto. I can't. Uh, I'll get to that in a sec, just for some people to give some context. And just if you haven't heard of Jane, um, what have you been living under a rock? But anyway, seriously, <laughs> Jane um, is the guest today and she's a strategic communication expert. She's worked with over 100,000 people in improving their influence in their businesses and their careers, which is a fairly significant number. Um, she's got clients like Virgin Australia, Lego, Ikea, Rio Tinto and Blue Scope Steel. Uh, she's had the opportunity to interview people such as Seth Godin, uh, on her podcast, The Jane Anderson Show, and if you don't know who that is, again, worth having a look because he's an amazing individual as well. Jane's been featured in Forbes, Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, Sky Business News, and on Channel 7, Sunrise. Um, Jane was recently voted in the top three branding experts globally and has won more than 25 awards for marketing, sales, and communications. She's the author of nine books, including her upcoming book, Exceptionality, How to Build a Brand That is Wildly Unique and World Class. So, uh, again, welcome, Jane. Thanks, Andrew. And a a little anecdotal piece um, for people listening. Uh, The reason I'm doing the kind of work we do these days, I would give a big uh, thank you and acknowledgement to Jane. I remember sitting many years ago, you won't say how many, but a while (laughs) back chatting with Jane. and um, Jane was doing some work in an organisation I worked for, and uh, Jane was coming in and doing some great work with that business. And... Her questions are like, why are you doing this? Why are you not doing this yourself out there in, you know, consulting land, out there in thought leader world? Why are you not doing this? And that started the chain reaction of thinking and events, and here we are. So thanks, Jane. And for those people who appreciate this podcast, they thank you as well. Oh, that's that's my pleasure. I feel so fortunate to be on. We have a long history and mm. and we go back a long way. So, you know, I'm so thrilled that we got to have that opportunity to work together years ago. Even though you might not have stayed in my training room very long, <laughs> um, you were like one of my toughest participants ever. Yeah. And, uh, but but had incredible admiration for you and your creativity and your vision. I could see despite, you know, trying to, I think we were doing some productivity training back then with your team and, and um, and you know, but being able to see this vision that you had, I remember being so inspired and mm. um, I don't know if you were deliberately trying to distract me so that I didn't um, <laughs> try to get you to finish the course, but I left really inspired and I think, you know, when you're out working with people, we're all out working with our clients and, and you know, you see people in your travels that you go, you know what, I reckon there's more in this for someone like you. You were mm. so, and you continue to be so leading edge in your thinking. It was, you know, so obvious for us to, it's no wonder we're still buddies and yes. able to catch up all those years later and say, come do this. This yeah. will be fun. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's, um, thank you, Jane. And, and similarly, it's been an amazing uh, journey to, watch way back from there and what you've done and looks just examples for people with that little brief intro that's a lovely intro but there's so much more uh, which I think we'll go digging into or swimming through today um, and yeah it's, it's um, humbling and lovely to have you here. So Jane let me start a uh, bunch of people out there listening who are, re- are really after this I think listen to this podcast partly because we talk pretty openly and honestly and secondly because 
for them, the title of Better People, Better Business resonates. Yes. Um, and I, I just, without giving any more than that, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are when you hear mm. those that string of words. What sparks in your head? Hmm. So um, I think of a couple of things. I, I think there's a better people, better business in terms of the continuous improvement side, which, you know, we have an obsession around and trying to help people become the best versions of themselves. And if they can do that, then businesses become the best versions of themselves. But I think there's, when I'm working with clients, I look at it as in how can we make sure that you are telling the right message so that you are positioned as better than the competition? So I think one of the things that happens and what I love about this phrase is one of the things that happens is we can get caught up in this um, uh, imposter syndrome inertia of trying to be the best. And so we go, oh, well, if I've got to go out, I'm going to position to go out and market myself. I'm going to position myself as the best. But the reality is, is we don't have to be the best. We've just got to be better than the competition. Mm. <laughs> so I think there's, uh, if I'm working with clients, certainly there's around the continuous improvement and trying to be better every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's it, an identity piece that comes with that when I'm helping people to position and market themselves is that when they're looking and comparing, well, if I'm going to work with a, this leadership expert versus you, or I'm going to work with this finance company over you, or whatever they might be, is what is it that's going to make the client look at both those, the comparison of those two things and go, this one's a better fit for us. I think mm-hmm. we should work with them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's what I reckon. Mm, that's good, and it is that um, you've hit on the conversation that happens in nearly nearly every one of these. The subtlety between, or not so subtle, between better and best. Mm, um, right. I think yeah, people have this uh, again. The clients I work with and conversations we have, and it sounds like it's the same in your world, which is no surprise because we're human beings. People always wanting to be best, and it's it's always saddens me. You know, let's talk about being better because better. best is. Uh, a really ill-defined and often hard-defined, ill-defined and or a ceiling. And yes. if, you, if you get there, what's next? Yeah, um, that's right. As, as you said, better is the ladder. You know, it, uh, it just keeps on stretching up as far as you choose to take it, yeah. um, which is powerful. So when you – so a bunch of different things just popped up through that. But So a lot of the work you do is with individuals and, as you said, helping their position. I love for people who are out there, um, who haven't had the luck that I've had in knowing you, what kind of work is that? Like, what, what is the work you're doing? What are you focusing on yeah. um, right now? Yeah. Positioning is a funny word, isn't it? It's like, so do I stand like this or like this? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. um, uh, so positioning is about the space that you you hold in your customer's mind. What do they, mm. how do they have you categorised and how do they think of you? And I've spent the last 20 plus years helping people to, really work out who they are and their identity, what are the strengths they bring, um, what are the uh, activities that they do to cultivate that identity. So you were a victim of that in my productivity training (laughs) all those years ago. Um, And what are the cadence, habits and routines that actually cultivate that identity? Um, And then... um, and, uh, and then as a result, then we say, okay, well, that forms what I believe is an exceptional brand. So mm. it's not just about, so whilst I came from personal branding and I really came from a marketing and helping people brand position themselves, leaders, you know, training and development, all that sort of stuff. But 
what happened over time is that today now is really working on the intersection of identity and productivity and the intersection Mm. of those two things because productivity was the thing that I really struggled with and by the time I met you I had you know come into working with an organization that was the world leaders in productivity and that was because I had my own struggles and Mm. realized that actually an identity is cultivated through really strong cadence and habits and routines that create continuous improvement Mm. so today my real obsession even though I've written the books on personal branding I'll still obsess around that all the time but a personal brand isn't like something like you go okay here's your stamp there's your personal brand good for you um it's okay well how do we continue to evolve it so that it becomes better and so Mm. that it actually becomes exceptional that it becomes something that people think is not just extraordinary extraordinary is you know okay it's different but exceptional is that it continues to evolve because it's becoming better all the time Mm, that's powerful and the positioning thing you know what strikes me there is when we talk about better people better business um that understanding of your positioning is really important and i can almost hear a few people here going yeah that's that's probably for those people who are out there doing stuff and yeah. LinkedIn and you know business. They're, yeah. they're selling their wares or they're flashing their stuff. Like that's for them. Why do I yes. care? Like I'm in an organisation. I'm whether I'm a senior leader or not, or a leader or even on the floor, um, whatever level they're sitting. They're going to go. So they, Jane can't be talking to me, can she? Surely. Yeah. Surely, because positioning oh, won't matter to me, will it? And. I didn't think so either, but I'll share a story with you. So back when I was working with, I was working with a large retail organisation, 10,000 plus staff. I'd just taken on the role as the head of capability for the organisation and I was liaising with the um, CEO of one of the brands. It had five brands at the time. And I just, I struggled for a long time to get him to really listen to what I was trying to do with his team and I was trying to align their training and get him on board. He always wanted to kind of do his own thing. And after a while, I realised that we got about probably eight months down the track. I just kept chipping away and I just thought, I'm going to win this guy over because it's not just about him, it actually benefits the whole organisation. And he eventually said to me one day, he said, you know what, Jane? He said, he said, I had you pinned or I had you pigeonholed in terms of your that annoying L&D person because that's who I had to deal with, who was your predecessor. But you're not like that at all. What you're actually trying to do is you're trying to, you have actually got my best interests in mind. You're not trying to make things worse for me. You're trying to make them better. Mm. And so my lesson in positioning was was that he we often um, inherit sometimes a position in an organisation if you've moved into a role because people don't just connect the relationships with that human being, they connect it with the title. Mm. And so they go, oh, you're one of those annoying L- L&D people, which was what the brand that I had. I didn't even make that brand. I'm like, I just mm. walked in the door. But yep. I had inherited a positioning that was hurting um, the, not only me, but it was hurting the business. It was hurting his business, and we. It takes time to reposition so that you can build trust and get the influence that you're trying to get to create the change. And it, you know, it can work. But I think it, when for the average person who might be sitting here, if you're a leader in an organization, or maybe you're a business owner, or you know, this isn't just about you know building me building 
um, brands and you know personal brands who are have businesses as brands. This is as leaders. If you're, I'm working with a university at the moment with some of their graduates. You know, they're coming out. It doesn't matter where you are. We all have a brand, whether we mm. like it or not. The question is, is are you positioned to get the influence and in your role that you're really needing to get? Because maybe you might be stuck in the situation I was. And how do you reposition yourself to get that trust, influence, and change? Yeah, and I think it's really good. Thank you. And uh, if you if you feel you aren't stuck in that position, you should probably have a good look um, because you may not be looking hard enough. Because that you are spot on with that pigeonholing, where titles, roles, titles, etc., they carry a stigma and a story. Um, sometimes yeah. it's useful. Sometimes it's not. Um, and as we often say, it's like, it's like that. Par- it's a parallel. This what I'm going through my head is the positioning piece is a parallel thing to the culture conversation we can talk about. You know, there's always right. a, there's a culture always being formed. Um, whether you have a choice of active, whether you're active in managing and leading that or not, is your choice. Positioning yes. your brand is always being formed, whether you're conscious of it or not. Um, and how do you take active control of that and? understand how to manage that a little bit better. Um, it sounds... Spot on. And as a leader, even helping your own team identify that. So it could be the team's brand. Yeah. I was finding you know, for myself, it wasn't just my personal brand. It was actually the learning and development team brand that was affected as well. So tr- you've sometimes got to also as a leader, think about what are the personal brands and the team brand, particularly if you're trying to influence that change too. Yeah. It's... Powerful. So people, again, I'm going to jump into the seat of someone sitting there listening to this, possibly driving to work or going for a walk or whatever they might where they find themselves. And hello again, all you yes. people. Um, <laughs> what, what kind of things should they, should people be mindful of? You know, um, Mary, Bob, whoever it is sitting there kind of going, okay, I can actually, I kind of get it now. You, There is this brand and I probably aren't, I'm probably not really thinking about it a whole lot. Um mm. Now, the first thing I'd say is it's a cracking bunch of books that you've written and absolutely go, Jane Anderson, look, come and have a look and, and or you know, Google it, find it, go and buy some. I think you'll learn a bunch of stuff and I have read them myself. So yeah. I'm sitting over there in the list in the pile of books. Um, <laughs> you probably but, featured in a couple of them. I think, I think there's a couple, probably a few stories in there. Problem, problem, yeah, pro- problem, problem children normally get into books, so yeah. um, that, that's fair. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think there was. Uh, yeah. Yes, anyway, yes. Uh-huh. But for those folk who are, what's a couple of practical things that you know, if they're going to start thinking about this positioning thing, it's because again, it can be quite overwhelming. Yeah. Um, because you go, oh, do I have to? Do I have to dress a certain way? Do I have to speak a certain way? Do I have to? Well, wait, hang on a minute, because there's also a lot of nonsense out there. Like the work yeah. you do is, I think, is beautiful and clean around positioning and it understands the person and the human in the middle of it. Yes. But if I just looked for positioning or branding, there's a lot of nonsense out there. Yeah. And a lot of people banging on with a lot of rubbish. Yes. Um, that is way less useful and, and expensive, painful, you know, almost have to reinvent yourself when Yes. I think the work you do is not about reinventing yourself, but it's about discovering yourself and putting yourself in a place where it can be seen. Yes. Uh, very different space yeah and and in a comfort level of Mm. you know we don't I think sometimes people you know um talk about that they think that when I'm helping them build a brand it's all about 
visibility. It's, oh, my God, she's going to make me do TikTok and I'm going to have to do these dancing <laughs> videos and it's like, oh, no. In fact, there's some people that we work with that we say, you don't actually even need social media whatsoever. <laughs> just put my hand up for people in the background. That must be me. No, it isn't. <laughs> so I'm sure Jada's heard that from me many times. Do I really have to do that? Yeah, I yes, guess. Andrew. <laughs> and it's not always, you don't always necessarily, it's not always the case. In fact, I reckon I've got a book in me that's how to build a business without social media at some mm. stage. Um, but um, uh, so it doesn't always necessarily have to be social media platforms and things. And it also, um, doesn't necessarily have to be forever as well. So because brands evolve and change and communities mm. build and tribes build. So I reckon, and before I get into answering that, I'll share an example. If we look at, I was just reading this morning, um, I follow the Royals quite a bit because, not because I'm a big Royals fan, but because it's one of the most fascinating brands and mm. like human being type brands. It's a it's a business, if you like, or an organisation, mm. but they're a very strong and powerful um, individual personal brands within there. Some well-liked, some not. Less less so, yeah. (laughs) But I think if you look at, say, people like um, uh, uh, Harry and Meghan at the moment, so the narrative of the brand, they've invested, they've left the royal family, they've gone out and started, you know, the Sussex brand, and, um, and the challenge that's happening is that the brand that's being built or the conversation is, let's whinge about the royal family and mm. complain. Now, mm. the problem is that they're, they're, I don't know what kind of advice they're getting or, in my opinion, is that they sound a little bit like sport brats. <laughs> like, like, hang on, you've just come up in this, you know, one of the world's wealthiest, wealthiest families and, oh, dad, dad's given me a few million dollars but that's not enough for my security detail. So... You know, it sounds, it's a little bit hard for people to connect with. And if they're saying that they want to step out of the royal family and to be able to build a brand that they they need some kind of purpose and meaning, not just build a brand about whinging about the royal family, as much mm. as that might sell newspapers, books, whatever, it's actually not the brand that I think that maybe they had in mind, but it's kind of going this way. So it's a good mm. lesson for us in terms of when I'm helping people build a brand, there's three things I look for. The first one is clarity, being really clear about your own strengths, who you are, who you serve, mm. so where they live. And so it's the big question is who in the clarity mm. statement, who am I and who do I serve? Um, and, um, and what is my message? They're probably the real things around clarity. The second one is communication, and communication is about making a conscious choice and being very strategic about the platforms that I have to communicate that message. So for one person, okay, it could be, okay, I've got to redo a LinkedIn profile, we've got to update a website, that kind of stuff. If you're a leader in an organisation, you know, if I'm working with a CEO, I might go and have a look at, um, you know, their positioning in the organisation or they're not getting respect or influence or whatever. And I might go and look at um, what are the meetings they're attending? Who are they meeting with? Have they actually not, they're not getting the influence because the meetings and the people they're meeting with are too reactive. They're not proactive meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be that if I look at the website, um, the CEO's profile is the lo- one that's lowest on the website, you know, they're, they're or they're hard to find. Um, it might be that, 
they're not speaking at the right conferences or events. Are they trying, do we actually need to get a strategy together for them to be meeting with, uh, reaching out to meeting planners and conference organisers? We need perhaps some kind of collateral speaking kit, showreel, or, you know, it might be something like that, not necessarily social media strategy. So making a really conscious choice about, based on the clarity, you know, who am I, who do I serve, and the goals that you're trying to achieve. You know, is it a revenue goal? Is it getting your next job? Is it what is that? The mm. communication channel, if it's getting your next role as, you know, moving from a, a senior leader into or middle, middle middle manager into a senior executive role, what what are the communication channels? Okay, I've got to talk to recruiters. They need collateral resumes, um, cover letters, selection criteria, um, LinkedIn profiles, a strategic networking type approach, you know, mentors, whatever. So mm. that's the communication strategy for something like that. So it's clarity, communication, and the third one, and you touched on it, which is control. And I love that you said active control because this is not control as in being, you know, um, controlling or a control freak. It's it's about knowing there's two things that are part of control. One is that um, knowing what to say no to and what you're saying yes to. So it's making conscious choices about where you're, visibility is those types of things mm-hmm. where your time is spent um so it's how you say no and the other thing is how you respond to crisis so when things go wrong things don't go to plan are you the type of person who panics do you um you know do you get angry do you get frustrated do you see it as an opportunity do you you know any of those things so when control is all about how you respond so um, and that's what builds trust, that builds authenticity, because you can have all the clarity and communication in the world, but when things go wrong, if that's not congruent with those other two things, then, you know, we're going to lose trust in the brand. Mm-hmm. So if someone's got a business, for example, I think about retail, I spent many years in retail, I worked for the Mathers family and Sir Robert Mathers for 15 years. And, um, you know, a big part of that was when um, when I worked with the import store was if people had a bad product, if something was falling apart or, you know, the, the shoe was faulty or something was, that's our opportunity to respond and rebuild trust in the brand, not see a customer coming in and run away because I don't want to deal with them because we're going to end up in conflict, <laughs> is, oh, here's an opportunity. How can I help this person? My job is to rebuild trust in our brand in this very moment. So clarity, communication, and control. It's a cracking way to answer it. It's probably a, for people there was a lot in that. It's, you know, there's probably about a minute and a half. Feel free to press rewind about now and have a listen to that because and grab your notebook because I think there's some gold in there. Uh, oh, actually, I know there's some gold in there. And the three points, clarity, communication, and control. And I think that the other piece that was beautiful, there's all these other words which I think the listeners will resonate with that it's important to, to and getting more and more important and talked about more and more things like trust and authenticity. Um, and I think it's a really important reflection that uh, the work you're doing with people and helping them understand the work that they do themselves with you is very much around finding that authentic self. Yes. Um, Brett, again, like I keep coming back to this. I think it's really important, um, especially better people, better business lens, so many people sound terrible. We've all heard the statement putting lipstick on the pig. Yes. You know, um, it's so many people, it feels like there's this positioning thing where 
you got to wax a lippy on and off you go. It's like it's not about that. No. It's, it's about being authentic. Yes. Um, like if I turn up, as you know, I, this is me all dressed up today, um, <laughs> and my, a lot of the time it's the black T-shirt and yeah. casual trousers. That's who I am. Um, yes. And I can meet CEOs, CEOs right down to whoever, and that's who I am. And yes. The funny thing is for me, uh, originally I thought, oh, people won't accept you when you turn up like that. You've got to wear a suit and tie. It's all up here. And right. the piece that was normal was from a branding and positioning perspective, when I was uncomfortable, they read that I'm uncomfortable. Um, that's I'm, not, I'm, I'm not authentic in that moment. Yes. Um, trust is harder to build. It's yes. that simple. Yes. Um, so I think there's that piece that when you're talking to there and it's important for people to my little pick up from that and the things I've learned from you is understanding the who that you want to be, not just not just the who is your client. Yes. But it's the who you want to be. Yes. Um, and who the who you are. Yes. Um, that's that's I love something that. I've learned. Yeah, because quite often we can focus on who we've been. You know, like, and that's important. There's a history that we all have. There's a credibility that we all have based on the experiences and the relationships we build and all those sorts of things. But if we don't stop and make that conscious choice about, well, who, who am I now and where am I trying to go, that clarity is I'm I'm going to be stuck. I'm going to, I'm going to feel like, well, Hopefully my work will just speak for me. Hopefully opportunities will come my way. <laughs> Hopefully I'll just do a good job. Um, but unfortunately, you know, people just people are so busy in their own worlds, they just don't see see those things. So that's part of it, but it's not you have to actually put yourself out there and take those next steps. Yeah, the word that's sitting in the back of my head as you're talking that it's, it's that deliberateness. Yes. And I think that's the that's the piece people who you have the opportunity to work with and those people who have the opportunity to work with you, you're helping them get deliberate. Yes. Absolutely. You know, let's let's not just hope that stuff will happen. Let's not just hope that things will come. Let's not just hope that whatever. Yes. Let's actually get deliberate. Let's talk about the work. One of the other words you talked about in there, which is I know one of your favourites, um, I've certainly heard it many times, is collateral. Yes. You know, it's it's <laughs> so the, the, the positioning and the branding and it, it, how do you support that? Obviously, there's the authentic self and you do a bunch of work in helping people do that. And there's this collateral piece. And when we talk about collateral, um, what do we? What do you talk, when do you talk about that? What do you yes. talk about in that space? What does that mean for people? Yeah, well, there's a great quote, uh, and I think Jeff Bezos said, "Your personal brand is what people talk about when you're not in the room," mm. and that can feel like, okay, well, that makes sense how people are talking about me. Um, then the question is, is if you're not in that room, what is representing you when you're not there? And so that means websites that means if you're in your own practice um you know it might mean okay well I've got to create some research and publish it in a white paper um mm. I might have to write a book which you've done which is fantastic with your with your help I will happily <laughs> tell everybody with my yes. whip cracking most people will say that <laughs> yeah, with, with Jane going how many words how many words um uh yeah so we need something to talk for us and we need something to travel. So mm. because there are people out there who are 
fans of yours. There are people out there that want, they say they've come out of a meeting with Andrew and they, I just had this amazing meeting with Andrew. You know, he talked about blah, 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 and this and that. If we can help them, the collateral, I think sometimes we can think, oh, the collateral is all about me and I'm such a rock star. And so, yeah, but if you can have a mindset of service, the reason why I'm creating this document is to help somebody else have a conversation is because quite often we know that <clears throat> working in with organisations, if you're in the consulting space, you've got five to seven people-ish involved in a decision to work with you. If it's an individual, you might be a husband, a wife, a partner, or there's someone else possibly involved in that conversation. So we need collateral. And um, a big part of that collateral at the moment is often video. So, you mm. know, um, an asynchronous communication. So it might be a voice message. It might be a video on the phone just saying, hey, how are you going? Just wanted to check in. How are you doing? You know, blah, blah. Or if it's collateral marketing, you is it could be walking through a document um, for your senior leaders team. And maybe you're doing that through a video because uh, through a two to three minute thing because, you know, people need you to translate what is happening. So if we've got documents like that that show the translation that they understand, you're going to just be so much, It's I just believe it's just being easy to work with. If you can be easy to work with and people don't have to think too hard, then you can put those documents in front of them and they go, oh, here's what he said. Yep, that's what we want. Sounds great. Yeah. You know, done. <laughs> Spot on. It, it, it just a conversation two weeks ago. I was over in Perth. Right. To a um, potential client. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> I don't know the individual because we've done work before, so there's that familiarity, which is good. Um, and but the thing, um, talking with her this week and she was saying, like, for her to look, She's an EGM talking to her peer, COO. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm having that conversation. I'm going to be taking your brochure. That was fantastic because right. I can go and talk him through that model that you talked us through. Right. And, again, I think that's the other little subtlety of this is, um, you know, things like the models and the, yes. and it gives people something to hang on to. So, in, so it's another example of a collateral. is isn't just a yes. shiny brochure per se. Um, again, people will often say, Got one sitting here. People often kind of say, "Hey, you, gee, there's a lot of content here that you're giving away. All these yeah. models and stuff." Yeah. And I go, oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. And this is something I learned from you, Jane. Like, there's this piece where so many people want to hang on to it as if it's I know, right? It's theirs, and I kind of go, "Well, first of all, there's a there's a thing that I sort of argue that it's not. You're just a steward of it for the moment. Right. But nonetheless, even if you don't want to choose that, it's this piece of, but for her to be able to understand it, to talk to her peers and or leadership to get advocacy. I don't even have to be in the room because right. as a as a you know as a one example, this collateral spoke yeah. for me. Yes. I don't have to be there. I don't have to fly back to Perth and have a chat. I don't have to do a Zoom meeting. That's right. She is able to talk through that piece. And it's so yeah. powerful. Um and I think yeah. again, better people, better business. If you're not if you don't have some of this stuff. Yes. You're only one voice. Like I have dozens of these, hundreds <laughs> of these things floating around in different places. There's all these voices talking for me. That's it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And they do the heavy lifting for you so mm-hmm. that when you do go to those meetings, you can just be present to what is the next step or you're getting closer to whatever the conversation actually really needs to get to because that's 
that's there that's been done it's in front of people you can reference if you, if you need to and you know I just find that's often the biggest gap um you know when I was in when we hit COVID um I launched a cut through collateral program as you know mm. and it was really because I went okay if we're going to be spending this amount of time in lockdown and isolation, people need something to focus on. What's the number one thing that most people seem to be missing that if they could have this time to create something that would create the greatest leverage for them in their personal brands and their practices, what would it be? And collateral. So it's like, let's get in and create some stuff. Let's not look back on the last nine weeks and and go, geez, I probably shouldn't have sat watching Netflix for the, for the last two months. Not for the whole time anyway. You know, <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. But, yeah, and it's powerful. It's um, And, again, to use the other word you use there, it's around service. <clears throat> if you Sorry. believe if you believe your work is in service to others, which if you're running a business, if you're in a business, if you've got a job, if you're not thinking that way, I'd suggest it's an opportunity to start thinking that way. Yes. I don't, I don't care whether you, whatever level, doesn't matter. I'm not going to pick different different types of roles to be discriminatory mm. that way. doesn't matter. You're in service to someone somewhere, and that's a really interesting frame. And for a better business, better people, better business, um, things like collaterals allow you to be in service way beyond you. Again, the voices that speak when you're yes. not there. Yeah, and, and how and, can I make this better? For my customer, like yep. I want to make their life better and easier with these things because yep. it helps them to get the influence they're trying to get. Yep. And if you know if someone pinches stuff, using the word there, good, whatever. Go for it. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty certain that uh, if someone tried to be Jane Anderson's stuff, it, it, look, good luck to them, but they'll never be Jane Anderson. Um, if someone tries to do this, the work we do, and again, good luck to them, but they'll never know because they weren't a part of the creation of they can never quite get to the same depth and detail. No. Um, you know, it's the old, what's the old saying? You know, if you hold it like this, it owns you, and if you hold it like that, you own it. It's the same stuff with That's uh, right. With, with a lot of the positioning and branding. It's It also is, I suspect, and I'll ask you this question, I'm, I'm thinking that when you show up in that way, People experience you in a much more um, positive manner. You're not like it's not like the Grinch or uh, you know it's the fellow oh. Christopher folky old Ebenezer Scrooge showing up at the door saying, "Hey, I'd like to do work with you, but here's the brochure. I'll show it to you." But I'm <laughs> yeah, that's right. Need to hang on to that. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Look, I I think a big part of creating what I think is um, a really exceptional brand is about abundance and generosity and knowing that you have an infinite amount of ideas, things in your mind, there's so much going on in here and if you're continuing to evolve the thinking, then your job is just to, like you said, is you're the vehicle to keep it coming. If, If I'm seeing things like TM like trademarks on on programs and names and all that sort of stuff those sorts of things you know I can understand sometimes but more often than not I go oh you know there's a little bit of scarcity mindset sometimes happening because I'm putting TM on that because that's my program and I named that and I'm going to take people to court if they copy my stuff and all that sort of thing and and you know that energy can be 
so much better spent over on you know what I'm here to help I'm here to serve you 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 know you, you refer- I mean of course we want people ideally to be referencing our stuff and there may be times where they step over the line but if you can really focus on well you know what I'm just going to be generous and I know for my own practice that has come back to me you know multiple tenfold in terms of just just be generous because you know what they may come back they may not but that's I think that's a good reputation um around a brand to have because I think and people can sometimes worry that well, aren't I devaluing my brand, you know, by being too generous? I go, well, you've got a pricing problem in that case. So, you know, you want to price well that you can give extra time, extra effort, extra resources, whatever. It only becomes a problem if your pricing's wrong. Mm, and if you are constantly free. Oh, okay. that's so, right. Yeah. I think that's an important piece, you know, understanding the, the better business side of stuff. It, it's it is about understanding your pricing. It is understanding about your value. That's right. Um, and become better at understanding that so that you are able to have, again, better conversations to, to, to do deals. And because if you're good at what you do, yes. people will want to buy you. They just do. Um, yeah, that's and, right. And will buy your help. Um, yes. That's really that's good. Um, and there's so many... <laughs> I'm just right as I as I go along, Jane, I write little notes and I go up and <laughs> conversations. Um, one of the things that I think um, you know, through that whole piece of conversation, and I'll and I'll drag it back to the because it's all in line, it's all definitely synchronous with better people, better business. Um, one of the things you touched on, I think, is it's about being better, and you said at the beginning, better is about continuous improvement. Mm. Uh, it's that it's that idea of um, sometimes even if I use another word, being a little experimental, you know, mm. being a little brave, mm. you know, throwing caution to the wind. Um, and you talked there about some really clever ideas um, around videos, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what are you seeing happening out there? Because uh, the other thing I think that I see a lot of mm. is people really still banging away an email, it's kind of that they've got this one mode of conversation yes. and it's email. Yeah. And it's to me it is, none of us like it. I don't think anyone says I love email. It no. is a dangerous, brutal, blunt object. Yes. Um, to be honest, nowadays a lot of emails I write that might be a little bit more, if I can't get in a conversation with the person, I'll write and say, hey, I'm writing this email, but can I ask you to put your rose colored glasses on? This is written with best of intent yes. and I'd like to have a conversation about it. So because I also know this is a a, a, a really awkward way of communicating. Mm. But here goes. Mm. Um, well, what kind of things are happening out there around, because I think there's better business part, is there's some tech, and I know you are always way across this stuff, way before most people. <laughs> What's going on out there? How should people be communicating if they want to demonstrate that they are better, you know? Yeah, so I reckon what I'm what I'm seeing, what I'm noticing, is um, the challenge that large organisations have around um, uh, to be better in their communication, particularly for remote teams. So mm-hmm. if we look at you know, say so yourself and myself, I've been running remote teams for the last I don't know twelve years. Um, and what I noticed, so I've been doing a bit of this work in organisations as well. So I'm an Asana certified pro. I love Asana. Um, there's plenty of other, I don't, I don't, I'm not precious about what 
people use. Um, but Asana is the one that I like the most because what I what find. Is, what is Asana? Just because yeah, there's sorry. a bunch of people okay. probably have I no idea. Clarify. Sorry. Yep. So, right. yes. So, um, for those, if you use using some kind of project management type platform that people can communicate on. So, there's things like, um, what is it, Teamwork, there's Asana, there's Monday.com, there's all those sorts of things. And I think they're built for really agile kind of organizations that are, you know, um, and so. Um, what I've noticed is that for those who, because I do a lot of work with consulting firms, is that um, the communication stays a lot in some of those systems as opposed to email. And email is really just really gets used for external communication for dealing with clients. So that's really the ideal. What I find when I'm working with some organisations, particularly going through this remote working, is that they're having to work asynchronously um, they need platforms where they have got the the biggest challenge. I was on the um, growth faculty uh, session the other day with Jim Collins mm-hmm. and I asked the question, what do you think is the number one challenge uh, to build with building um, a remote workforce? And the number one thing that came up was accountability. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening is because we don't necessarily see people, we forget, and so we're constantly having to chase up, how did you go with this? Did this get done? You know, where's that up to? So I think the the challenge, and this is where it comes into strategic communication, where it's not just marketing or all those things, it's actually our internal comms and how we work, stay connected um, and become better mm-hmm. is we actually need to look at, well, what are we actually going to use to make sure the work is not only visible so we've got visibility of the work but we also have the accountability to make sure that people can see what's on their plates that they actually you know that things aren't getting lost and um, so what I've noticed is uh I've implemented Asana in some organizations here in Brisbane a big local city council here that was a challenge um because just to get them <laughs> um Herding cats comes to mind. Herding cats. But they did actually did super well because they were really motivated to make it work because they knew there was a massive problem and everybody had great Mm. buy-in. But, you know, for those organisations I'm working mostly with, if they're consulting firms and working with offshore teams and things like that, is this is the thing that is um, trying to keep it connected and therefore that ultimately results in the delivery and the service for the customer, and that's what builds the brand. Um, so, yeah, so I think the thing I'm seeing the most is how do we um, communicate and how do we keep accountable and keep work visible so that we aren't losing or feeling the effects as much, um, then as a result reduces the amount of email and all we're really doing. So even in my own personal email, my own personal email is really just dealing with external people who are not in our in our systems it makes life so much easier i don't know if you find that mm. yeah yes and uh, i think that's one of the pieces in my team and my business we're still seeking to improve because you how do you how do you get visible because visibility clear accountability making it visible just takes a whole bunch of conversations out that don't need to be had and you can spend a stack of time feeling like you're having the same conversation every day you know um, I mean, we frame that, uh, you know, it's experience. People say it's probably the same thing here. We don't seem to learn and you often see people who have 30 years of experience, but it's 30 years of one year's of experience, 30 times one year. They actually don't have 30 years. I think some of the times in businesses we aren't learning 
Mm. So we have we won't be ten years in business, but it's the same ten years. You keep repeating the same stuff. Right? How do you grow and learn? How do you shift and do more? How do you every yeah. year incrementally getting better yes. and doing things differently? Like yeah. that tool, that Asana tool, and it's a great product. And again, call out there for people who are listening. If you need help, that is one of Jane's spaces that she can play with um, with you to help you get it better. And I use the word play because working with Jane is that light playful kind of thing. Actually, it's fun. It's not just meh. Um, sometimes you get an IT company come in and go, yes, we can crunch, bang, smash, and you just walk away thinking that just hurt. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm not sure we got value. Uh, I really don't know what happened there um, versus the human side of things. Um, yeah, agreed. The, the, I'm going to jump sideways really hard because I'm also mindful we're mm. getting close to time. And I think it's a really mm. important thing, something you taught me Um and I've never forgotten it. Um, and it's a man. It's a. I think he's a man. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty certain it wasn't terribly stereotypical decision on my behalf. But Dunbar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one it of was the it? Dunbar. And, oh, you know, Robin Dunbar. Yes. Yeah. So, so this is something I learned from you, and I think really important when I if I go to this heart of better people, better business. Um, realizing that you don't have to be all things to all people and you don't, because again, I think people out there in businesses and, and even themselves are kind of going, well, I need to impress everybody, don't I? Everyone, my mm. net is everywhere. I've got to, I've got to boil the ocean, Jane. Um, That's right. <laughs> boil the ocean. That's a good yeah. metaphor. I like. And we do it lots, you know, and I did it. Yeah. Like, who, who is your, who's your client? Well, it's everyone, isn't it? Slow down, yeah. tiger. You know, <laughs> slow down a little bit. Yeah. I just I'm really interested to get your wisdom on because I think it'll help people. And this is probably a focus around, particularly around business and people who are running businesses. But please don't, if you're listening, please don't just turn off because thinking this way also helps you understand from a career perspective, equally so. 100%. Like this has been probably stolen by the small business or business community as a thing. And it certainly mm. isn't just. For them, it's for everybody who holds or does work or stop. And I'm going to stop and uh, I'll let you espouse wisdom as you do in this space. Uh, well, you know, for those, if you've heard me speak, you'll go, you know, oh, here she goes about Robin Dunbar. <laughs> I do talk a lot about Robin Dunbar. But, um, uh, but this was life-changing for me when I heard it. So the person I have and, to... Stand on the shoulders of giants, <laughs> and which is why I happily share it with anyone. And because mm. I wish I knew this years ago. So, mm. um, and I'm standing on the shoulders of giants with Robin Dunbar, and of course the wonderful Matt Church, who put mm. the thought leaders and consulting spin on it. So, um, uh, so Robin Dunbar is an, a social anthropologist, and he wrote the book "How Many Friends Does One Person Need?" is his landmark text. He's done a number of TEDx talks. And um, and so you can jump online and have a look. Um, but he, what he did was he essentially went to all these different countries on continents around the world, and he looked at well, why, why is it that some indigenous tribes in Australia still are around? Like you know, if we look at then. Um, African tribes and we look at others in um, Native American tribes like why his question was was why have some of those tribes died out 
and why have some survived? And he ultimately came up with the numbers or these metrics to identify that what's the likelihood of that tribe surviving. And the number that he came up are Dunbar's numbers. So the, the peak number that he came up with was 150. We have enough bandwidth to, at a personal level to manage enough, to manage about 150 people, 150 relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, within that, there is a core group of sort of about 15 <clears throat> people where he said you as the tribal leader or the community elder, you have a um, like a, uh, a, a panel or if you like tribal elders, if you like, mm. are sort of the people around you who are your advisors, if you like. And I think that once I realised that, because you're right, what happens is when you're starting in your, in your business, you're just, you're not really sure. You've got no database perhaps. You're just putting everything out there and see what happens. But over time, as people start to buy in and people start to work with you, is that you start to realise actually and there's a distraction that happens with social media going, oh, I know you need help, but I'm over here doing my TikTok video <laughs> and, uh, and I'll get back to you. I'll just yeah. go do this. And you're like, hold on, this poor person here, <laughs> get back over Get back. Yep. Stop the bloody TikTok video. Get back over to this person because this person values you. They have paid for your services possibly in the past. And, in fact, the research tells us that, If we nurture and look after those people, particularly the people who have bought from you in the past, they typically will spend about 50% more than anybody else. So what happens is I think as we're building brands is there is a massive distraction that comes with social media and and the things that we think are brand building. And I really think we need to stop and go. And so that's where I actually start. When I first work with people, my first question is, Tell me about your customers. Tell me about the people you've been working with. Tell me about how many of those. Oh, but I've got, you know, 10,000 on Instagram and I've got, oh, no, that's not the question. The question I've got is pull out the list of the people who have bought from you previously and who are who you are currently nurturing and looking after. Mm-hmm. It's a very different um, conversation. And, you know, then we can talk about content and all those things. But sometimes if they've been doing a good job of that, we actually don't even need social media and all those other things at all. So, yes. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I'm glad that we got to talk about that because it really is um, life-changing for a lot of business owners. Yeah, it certainly was for me. And I think to, to repeat that, and it is a story that I think we get told that is nonsense and has no grounding, you know, you need thousands, thousands, millions. You need to touch everybody and hopefully one of them versus realising the use that number 150. Yeah. And 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 you don't have to try and start with 10 and then go to 20 and then no. go to 30 and go to 50. Grow it. Yes. Grow it, grow it with a deliberateness around this is my tribe, community, whichever language you choose to use. But yes. these are my people and these yes. people. And when you think about it, I know this is one of the things Seth Godin talks to us to you around. If, if you have that even 50 people, um, 150 is beautiful and that's the work to get to, but if you even have the 50 people, that's enough to keep your business ticking over just fine. It really is. Um, and I'd suspect even from my experiences, having 10 or 15 great advocates yeah. is also enough <laughs> to keep your business ticking over just fine. Um, yeah. Don't try to be everything to everyone. Yeah, we're not trying to be Brene Brown and have a Netflix show and, you know, all that sort of stuff. There is plenty there 
in these small amounts. You just, you know, you might even, you know what, you might even write a book for, you know, I wrote this book. I wrote this book for 10 people. Mm. And so this is a medical interviews program that I used to run. This is my last year of doing it. But Mm. there are, well, there's 10 people that I typically would work with each year. Last few years have been five. But previous to that, the amount of people, the amount of doctors that get an interview, this book is written for um, doctors to get onto specialty training programs. Every year there's only about 50-odd people who actually get an interview for a specialty. I do no marketing. I do no advertising. It is all referral because of this book. And they fill up my calendar every year for six months. And so there's no social media. You'll see no content on my website or anything. So it's about, you know, look after your 150s. Maybe you might even create a product that is only for 150 people. It might not necessarily be, because you know, we're not trying to create New York Times bestsellers and all that stuff. I'm a big fan of keep it tight, keep it intimate and keep it customer focused and even talk to your customers. You know, with COVID, I remember um, I was a bit confused as we all were with COVID. I was like, okay, all my speaking gigs are gone, all corporate training's gone, and went, all right, let's go to the 150s and let's ask them, what do you need? What do you need help with? And Mm. they all came back. I was going to launch a a brand storytelling program, Mm. and I just went and asked them because I was like, well, brand storytelling does come up a lot, but I don't know if that's what they want. I'm not confident, and I'm in a – I've never been in a pandemic. I don't know how people are feeling. So I just went to the 150s and said, what do you need? What can I help with? And what came back, I had the sales sales training or sales help like way down the bottom on my list. And I was like, they're not going to say sales. There's so many other people who can teach them sales. They're so not going to pick that. But I'll just put it in and just say. <laughs> they all said, we need help with sales. And I was like, so I rang one of the pers- people who voted on it and I said, is this right? Like, do you? And I said, but why wouldn't people go work with? There's this person who does sales and this person. And they go, she said, yeah, but we like how you do it. We want to do it how you do it. And I went, oh, it's so intense. yeah. So they give you information if you just listen to them and take the time instead of. So over time, you get better at understanding your customer. You get better at. Um, experiments and launching things and you get better insights that you can help them with. You get deeper insights, deeper expertise, and as a result, that helps them become better too. Mm. There has been a bunch of nuggets all over the place mm-hmm. um, and I'm mindful of time. We we keep it to about the hour window. Um, I've got two questions, if I may. Mm. Um, the first one is if you were to leave one nugget that you wanted people just to kind of leave going, eh, okay, thanks, Jane. That's something I need to think about. Um, what might that be? Um, and I didn't, just so everyone knows, I didn't yeah. know Jane now I was going to do this. So she's going, oh, I've got about 20. Which one? Which yeah, one? Like, one? Okay. Jeez. Um, if I had to leave one thing would be, um, would be, to work would be to have a look at consider your exceptionality. What is it that makes you unique? Mm. And what can you obsess over every day to make it 1% better? Mm. Cool. 
I think we wrapped two in there, kind of, but I'm going to, yes. I think that was cracking though, okay. nonetheless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not at all. So yeah. it's about what makes you exceptional and what are mm. the, and, and in service to that, where's that 1% improvement? How do you obsess over something and get better and better? Mm. Um, beautiful. Second question is um, people love this and they go, gee, this lady's really cool. Um, we'll put the whole, like anything, all, all the places you can find Jane and information for Jane in the show notes. Uh, but just as a conversation, who who are you working with right now? Who are the people who are listening and kind of go, um, this is really interesting, I'd like to work with this lady. What's the kind of programs? What's the kind of work you're doing at the moment? Because I know you live by everything you speak. Yes. And you're very clear on um what you do, you know, if I said, hey, Jen, I'd love to do a productivity program and you'd go, yeah, that's lovely. There's some people over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who can, Who are you working with? What's the work at the moment that you're focusing on? Yeah, so I spend most of probably about 70% of my time working with people who are consultants, so people, particularly women yeah. who are working with organisations and trying to build their practices. I do some one-on-one coaching with uh, people who don't, who run, like if people say, I'm not female, will you still work with me? So, yeah, I still work with the blokes so that's all good Mm. um so you can do some one-on-one coaching but the thing that I've I've been working a lot on is in helping um consultants being able to bring in um what I call practice in a box so Mm. it's essentially coming in and I spend you know I spent seven years building the systems for my own practice and we continue to evolve them every day Um, so practice in a box is where I come in and I set up the entire consulting practice in a day every Every task, every, if you're speaking at conferences, you're running events, you're running your own events, you're running breakfast, you're running coaching programs, you're running workshops, public workshops that you have to market, ones in-house, all the um, tasks. And it's actually about empowering their support to help them so people can stay, experts can stay in their genius. So, um, so yeah, mm-hmm. they're the three things I'm spending most of my time on. That's powerful. So I think in there, if you are, when we talk about a practice, um, it's just another set of words that um, basically if you're running your, your own little consulting business, yeah, you know, it's often tricky trying to get everything done. That practice in a box will, it's the word I will use here is it will amplify you massively and allows you to get way more done in that same period of time. So if we talk about better people, better business, it absolutely fits in there where people will be able to do so much more and open their business up to so much more opportunity yes. if you get these systems in place. And if you try to do it yourself, uh, it's a long road. It's a difficult <laughs> long road with many hiccups and bumps versus getting someone who's actually refined this and loves this space to help you do it simply and easily. Jane, thank you very much for your time. It's been thank an absolute you. delight. There's been so much stuff there, and I'm sure people will um, revel in the wisdom there. Uh, as I said, we'll put... How to get in contact with Jane. She's written nine books, as she said. They're really easy to read. Um, they're not like, you know, I think when we think about books, sometimes we think about these two-inch thick monsters and you just so much. They're not that. They're, they're Whatever the title is, you'll find in Jane's books, they go straight to the conversation and lead you through it in a really measured, accessible way such that you can actually go away and apply stuff. Yes. Um, so please, if you want, like if you see any books that are useful, they're, buy it and I think you'll get I know you'll get gold out of them but um thank you again for all your wisdom thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure and for people out there on behalf of Jen and I thanks very much for listening or watching whichever you do 
And uh, we'd love to hear any of your comments or feedback. Um, as I said, please, this lady is very worthy of being a fan for and following her work. And, again, you can find Jen on pretty much every social media channel. <laughs> um, and, like I said, we'll add some information below and you can, you know, become a fan similar to me and watch and learn through her experience and her wisdom. Thank you so and much. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone, and have a cracking day, whatever it is you're up to. And I hope this has added some value to your day. Bye.